Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. First and goal at the two-yard line for Stafford. Right back to work. Going to hand off to Williams from two yards away, and he plows his way into the end zone, and the Rams score a touchdown in the opening possession for them. Stafford out of the gun. Hands off to Williams right up the gut, and he slithers into the end zone basically untouched. Broke some arm tackles at the point of attack. Second down in six for the Colts with Richardson again out of the gun. And again, he's going to run after faking it to Zach Moss. This time he gallops to the 40-yard line. I think the ball came out, though, in plus territory. The Rams think they have it. There's a snap. Kick is on its way. Plenty of leg, and it is right down the middle and good. And now they lead the Colts 17-0 on the Ruoff Morgan scoreboard. There's a snap. Kick is on its way. It's got the distance, and it is good. They now lead the Colts 20-0. Richardson out of the gun. Play action. Backs to throw. Good protection. Leaking out right. Throws on the run. Fires it upfield. The pass is caught by Indianapolis. This is Mo Alley Cox with a flag on the field. And Mo Alley barrels across the goal line for a touchdown. Shotgun snap. Richardson looking to get in on a draw. And he does. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Richardson out of the gun. Trey Sermon motions out wide to the right side. Richardson throws it. Upfield. Caught by Andrew Ogletree. He's in. Touchdown. backs to throw in the pocket throws to a wide open player at the five and he gets in for a touchdown and that's puka nakua and the game is over and the rams beat the colts 29 to 23 that's the final score so matt taylor right there the voice of the colts on the call and colts lose 29 23 in overtime there goes your two-game win streak and uh, they get Tennessee coming up on Sunday. Hey, welcome into the show. We're going to be busy for you, but we're going to be busy with you. We're going to be busy with me. Stephen Holder is going to join us from ESPN coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. I know the whole Taylor stuff you guys will want to get to as well once he is uh, back in the fold, at least in the fold, not necessarily ready to go, but in the fold coming up on Wednesday. Uh, we got time to take your calls, but first I want to share with you some things that I was thinking about yesterday, and really, it was after the game, and it's when I went on 59 with Hagen last night. 
it's interesting. It's almost like you're in a spot right now and don't feel as if you have to be. And the spot in which you might think you're in right now is, hey, this is a rebuild. Hey, this is a reboot. And we've said over and over again that the most important factor is making sure your quarterback matures, stays healthy, gets used to things, and is the guy that you hope him to be. We've said that, and I mean all of us here have said that. Now, the one thing that I will constantly tell you is this. It does not matter to me. I'm all for winning when you're not supposed to. Winning or being successful when you're not supposed to, when you're a surprise, is a benchmark going back years in the NFL. Oh my goodness, I can't believe they're playing like that. But really, it's a signature for what we enjoy most. The sports surprises are most of the time even better, even more interesting, thoroughly more enjoyable than when you know that you're going to win year after year. I wouldn't trade that for the world, don't get me wrong. But the surprising season, the surprising game, you know, the Phil Collins against all odds, bullcrap, something like that. Oftentimes, it is more enjoyable than when you're supposed to do something. Because when you're supposed to do it, you're supposed to do it. So with that in mind, I've said this all along. I would rather see this team win when it has an opportunity. And when they don't, we're going to talk about it not as if this is a growing team that's fumbling, bumbling, and stumbling its way to a top five pick in the draft coming up in the spring, but a what in the world happened in that game? Why didn't they win it? Why have they now not won three consecutive? Why are you not going into Sunday with your division rival at the top of the division right now feeling so good? And I'm telling you what, that would have been a rally. A rallying cry for everybody. So that's where I am with this. And it's okay to understand, and I do. You don't have to tell me. I'm assuming I don't even have to tell you. This team has large holes, has gaps, needs more personnel, is certainly not ready, at least in our eyes, to win at a high level. But when you are there, it's like last year when everybody always wanted the entertaining loss. You can shove that straight up your rear. Seriously, you can. I wish we could go ahead and eliminate that phrase altogether. I got so sick and tired of hearing it. Losing sucks, and there's been way too much of it around here for me to just so flippantly say, oh, yeah, well, that's okay, great. This football team's lost seven consecutive now within their own building. You guys pay your hard-earned money to go in there and to watch, and I want you to feel good when you leave there occasionally. You haven't in the past seven stinking times. So I can't sit here and tell you that, hey, that was okay. They were close and they competed, but while there were good things to talk about, and I certainly will, we're going to talk about some negatives that had 
that not taking shape, things could have been different. That was such an incredibly winnable game. It's not like the Rams are bad, by the way, too. It's not like the Rams are bad. The Bengals, to me, last week, when they ended up knocking off the Rams on Monday Night Football, you kind of saw it. The Bengals had the solution there, and that was to just put constant pressure on Matthew Stafford. And you know what? Going into that game, I sat there on the Colts pregame huddle, and I talked about first in the NFL through three weeks in tackles for loss, top five in sacks. Seriously, they were getting after the quarterback. They were being consistent in the first three weeks. And that was the combination. That's what helped Cincinnati. It's not like Cincinnati stepped out of a hole last week of, of having no offense and all of a sudden was Cincinnati of a year ago or two years ago or whatever. They're still scuffling. Did you see their act yesterday in Nashville? But that was going to be the key. And the one thing that somebody's going to have to explain to me is why this team, because it wasn't like it was overwhelming. Hey, you know what? L.A. just came out and exerted their will and took all the fire and desire away. The, the Colts came out just not ready to perform. That's what it looked like. I know that's hard to judge. Like coaches out there will say, well, you never coach. You have no idea. Well, you're probably not still coaching, and you probably have even less of an idea. No, seriously, that's exactly how it looked. And that's what I would want to know as to why. Hey, I do understand this. I know that you had a quarterback that's coming back from concussion protocol. He had missed a game, missed an entire week, and you knew that it was going to take him a little bit of time to get going. I was really impressed with the way he handled things. Halfway through the third and into the fourth quarter, into the th- really into the fourth quarter, I thought he handled things. That, that was really some stuff that you saw from him late is exactly what you want in the future. And I absolutely understand this. Matthew Stafford couldn't do anything movement-wise. Uh, he could barely walk. And that's what makes me so disappointed in the defense. You know, they always use this phrase from Jaws or in a reference to Jaws or Sharks. Hey, they smell blood in the water. I think that's used every single week. Uh, you could use that cliche yesterday in terms of Stafford and how the Colts should have approached that. But, man, that lightweight, kind of soft approach. And I guess, I know that on the broadcast, I think it was uh, Jonathan Vilma. When I when I watched it, when I got home, Vilma was giving credit to the offensive line of the Rams. But you, you got to be better than that, gig after a quarterback that could barely move. It was almost like the Rams really kind of wanted him to come out, but he's saying, you know what, Um, I I make the decisions on this team. You guys be quiet. I'm going to stay out here. And I'm going to give him credit because he was tough as nails, Stafford was yesterday. Tough as nails. He stayed out there. He got through it. And you give credit where credit is due, but I was incredibly disappointed really all day long in the defense. And certainly at that moment, I will also say this, one of the big helpers for the Colts to get back in it was the fact that Stafford was dinged, and you could kind of tell that they decelerated a little bit, if not a lot. 
what do they say? Another cliche. They they took their their foot off the hammer a little bit there, didn't they? Because of his situation. But the fact he was out there, he was still making plays. Just really, if ever, especially defensively up front. And I know DeForest Buckner was on a pitch count, and that was a big deal. This Rams team ran the football like they hadn't run the football through the first three weeks of the season. That was disappointing as heck. I know Buckner not being out there all the time played a big role, but that's why you, you, you're supposed to have depth, and you talk about depth and depth this and depth that. And the Rams, when the Rams needed it, and especially when they had decided to take their foot off the gas a little bit, it always seemed like in a really good spot, they reeled off maybe a first down or a second down six to eight yard run. That's what it felt like. And those were big moments. You know, I told Matt Gay last week when he was on Wednesday, I said, man, don't miss a field goal in this, okay, because everybody's going to blame me. And what did he do? James, he goes out there and misses a field goal immediately. Misses that attempt. But it was beyond that. And these are the ones you're going to look back on. I think everybody's on the same page, right? Let's, let's all be on the same page and still hold the players and the organization as accountable as I'm assuming they would want to be held. You think today they're looking back on this and going, well, you know, we're a rebuilding team. We were close, but great. Then why should we feel like that? Why should you feel like that? You've gone through a lot of bad times in recent history. I mean, you've got to judge it in terms of how it should be judged. They did not look ready to play. It took them more than a half of presence in that football game at home coming off one of their larger wins in overtime in a long time. In Baltimore the week prior. And again, I, I do. I, I know all that could have played a role. But it just looked like they were flat as a pancake at the beginning. And then you add in that and you add in EJ Speed and just a ridiculous play hitting Stafford out of bounds. They really, the Rams were going to punt. They didn't punt again, I don't think, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they punted for the first time until the fourth quarter. They would have punted after the opening drive right there. The first one, and then I and I have one that has talked about EJ Speed, and I have thought, man, this guy has been really good when he has been out there. I think you can tell when he's not out there often, but you sure as hell could tell when he was out there in that first drive because that was hugely detrimental. That officially led to seven. That was on him. On him. They were off the field and done. That was on him. So you get mistakes. You just get a team that's all together flat. And then they come out and look so bad in that first half of play. Now, you give credit where credit is due. I mean, when Stafford got injured and then they started to come back, again, I thought Anthony Richardson late in that game made plays that really would make Colts fans excited. I would join you in that, too. There's some things moving around, some throws. But then again, late in that game, here's another moment, and you guys are all going to tell me, well, somebody got a hand in there. 
I went back over and over because they never did show a replay in the broadcast when I watched it when I got home. Kylan Granson has to catch that. That went off his hands and hit him in the stomach. That was for a for, for that was a first down. That was certainly in plus territory. I think around the 45, I'd have to go back and look at it one more time. But then with what, under a minute and a half to go, you're right there with a first down, maybe getting Matt Gay an opportunity to win it. That was such a big moment. Both he and Alec Pierce give the quarterback some help. And I was feeling good for the first time all season long. I was feeling good about the tight ends. Andrew Ogletree had one drive that was basically Drew Ogletree. Scored a touchdown. Mo Alley Cox backed up talking, not so much talking junk, uh, Xing or tweeting junk at us regarding our selections last week. Got involved for the first time this year. That was good to see. Offensively, they were feeling good. It's funny, too, because we had like a group text going on with the station in that final drive of regulation. And then everybody was talking about how they did not like the play calling. And I understand that. The play calling was much less of a factor to me. I guess the only factor I had is if you have a quarterback that is still growing in terms of putting the ball where it needs to be or ball placement, I don't know if you would just stick him in the pocket the entire time. Maybe you would try to move him around. And clearly the Rams did adjust. I think Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, adjusted because they had a couple of drives prior to where they really got the tight ends involved, Ogletree being certainly one in one particular drive. But they were getting the tight ends involved, and you could tell that they were taking that away late in that fourth quarter. But if there was going to be one critique that I had regarding the play calling it wasn't so much the fact that you didn't run the football or anything like that uh it was more so if you're going to to throw I mean maybe do what your quarterback feels most comfortable in and throwing from the pocket most of the time is probably not exactly it but again I'll give credit where credit is due until somebody can absolutely prove me wrong on that Granson drop that back shoulder he threw was absolutely on the money. That was an elite level throw to Granson and plays that have to be made. Well, JMV, they're not going to win anything. Why do they have to be made now? Why not now? Why do we always have to wait on stuff? You always want to wait. Everybody acts like we all have 50 more years to wait on this stuff. I don't know if I have 50 more minutes. So I I enjoy seeing your enthusiasm when they win a game. I enjoyed seeing your enthusiasm coming off of two wins. And I really was going to enjoy next week when Tennessee came to town. Now, granted, every team in the AFC South is tied at two right now. Two wins, two losses, great. And the AFC South asked. We all kind of thought going in that that game against the Rams was going to be a gauge. I mean, we, we you can nitpick. In football games, you can nitpick all the time. I mean, you really can. You know, last week, they didn't have a couple of starting offensive linemen. Well, Linderbaum and Stanley didn't play. That's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. And then you saw what happened yesterday without Deshaun Watson, what Baltimore did going to Cleveland and depancing the Browns in the fashion in which they did. 
But it, no doubt it was a big deal. I mean, the Rams were missing an offensive lineman. We, the, the Colts Friday was a mess. Um, I'm assuming everybody along that offensive line, everybody, including Freeland on the left side with Aaron Donald, I'm assuming everybody's going to have nightmares regarding that. Now, granted, Aaron Donald has made more than a couple of people probably have nightmares over his Hall of Fame decorated career. It seems like that maybe you, you could come up with a better better protocol to handle that than, hey, uh, rookie that rarely, if ever, has played out there, uh, there's you and there's you one-on-one against Aaron Donald. All right, go to it. I don't know about that. Uh, he was wrecking things per usual. You know what's funny, too? He wrecks stuff so much that it is, like, commonplace, and, and then the broadcast team, they don't even bring it up. Like, he is so good at what he does – if if even half of what he did was a part of what the Colts did, we'd be talking about that all the time. Did you see that? Did you see this? Oh, man, amazing play. Look what he's doing right there. And during these national broadcasts, it's, oh, okay, he's doing that again. So I don't know about that plan. And, again, I know that they were thrust into this situation as of Friday. We certainly talked about it. Uh, with Bernard Ryman going into concussion protocol, uh, no Ryan Kelly. Oh, the dinged up situation that was Braden Smith. But yeah, Freeland going to left tackle. And then oftentimes, if you saw him alone, especially against 99, that kind of seemed like a really, really bad move. And again, this guy's going to terrorize most teams, but he's going to eat that alive, and he did eat that alive. And if you go back, watch that on on TV again. Watch the broadcast again if you want to, if you desire, and you'll see. It's like he still does stuff on every play they never even mention because he just does stuff on every play. And the preparation for that, even with the way this team was kind of thrown in to the skids on Friday, there had to have been a better way. I would think, you know, something, and you're not going to stop him and maybe slow him down a little bit, something. But he was an absolute terror. So finally, he started getting something going in the second half. And I know in large part, that was because Matthew Stafford was injured in the fashion in which he he was. I, I de- Defensively, though, it was disappointing because th- there had to have been more there. You know, the rushing of four, the staying back, obviously, because you were afraid. You were afraid of of getting beat in the fashion in which you got beat. That's disappointing. That's the part that's disappointing. Uh, You're, you know, you're more concerned about your secondary being able to keep up and cover, which, you know, clearly they didn't do um, most of the day when you look at it I mean you're so concerned about that that you know really what you should have been doing was putting pressure on a a quarterback that really could not get away from anybody but it just wasn't there they were more concerned about Nakua who ended up kicking their ass anyway and ended up winning the game when you had, I think, a combination of Kenny Moore and Juju Brents. I think they went someplace else. And <laughs> Nakua was like wide open in the middle of the field. You're going, you got to be kidding me. That was almost as bad. I kind of felt that way last year. Remember 
down the stretch when they had that opportunity, they were playing defense, but they were close with Philadelphia, and the quarterback draw was called, and I think everybody in the stadium knew it. That's kind of how it felt yesterday. Everybody in the stadium knew, all right, they're probably going to go to this guy again. There he was, wide open in the middle of the field. But anyway, that's disappointing. And even with a rebuild, even with a reboot, it is okay to feel disappointment in that. Because you look around, you look around this AFC South, and I mean, hell, the team playing the best right now is the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud's been really good. I've tried to talk you up on that, too. C.J. Stroud, through the first four weeks of the season, has been really good, considering what he does not have around him. Impressive. Colts get Tennessee in town coming up on Sunday. I got plenty of time to talk about this with you as well. So I'm going to set you up on the phones. I got Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, The news on the day is that Jonathan Taylor does return coming up on Wednesday. Uh, And I know it was reported yesterday that the Colts want to try to mend fences. I I don't know how much fence mending is going to be done. I just know this. To get paid, it seems like he has to play. And if he has to play, why not just go out there and play? If you have to, just go out there and play to the best of your ability. I kind of want to see it. I don't want to see the soap opera of it because I'm tired of that. But I do want to see this. I don't care what year it is for a rebuild. I We are going to break down a game in a fashion in which this team plays. Just like in the excitement of a week ago. So it's not bad. It's not bad if you're critiquing this thing because believe me, they're doing every step of it right now. And one of the weird things is, and don't get me wrong, Gardner Minshew's only going to play because of injury. But the one thing they have to figure out is why why there has been separation with receivers you have seen certainly more with Minshew than you do with Richardson there was not a lot of separation I'm telling you in the second half there was one over the middle where I think Josh Downs went the wrong way it may have been Dan Orlovsky that that pointed this out via social media that Downs may have gone the wrong way and where he was supposed to go there was an absolute rope thrown So I, for one, Anthony Richardson, you can see the growth. And I know a lot of this is the ups and downs you are going to get in a season like this, but we're going to handle the downs just like we handle the ups. And that's the only fair way to do this. And believe me, I've worked enough with everybody over there. They absolutely understand it. So have at it with stuff you don't like. Have at it with stuff you did like. But the bottom line of it all is that was a winnable game that could really set a stage for what could be certainly an early surprise in the season and maybe something that you can live out a little bit longer here. If you just come out and play, and how do you come out that lackluster? How do you come out that slow? I mean, how does your defense not take advantage in the fashion in which this defense should have taken advantage? They'd lost six consecutive games at home going into yesterday. Surely to goodness that's written on a wall someplace over there. 
So that was incredibly disappointing. And again, I'll start. And I, I, it was both sides of the football to start the game, but I was disappointed throughout in the defense. And again, you can't pump yourself up to a standard to where people are going to expect it and then all of a sudden have a clunker like that. And that was a clunker because the Rams did a lot of things yesterday that they hadn't done that well in previous weeks. And this defense has to be better. All right, we can talk about that if you like at 239-1070. Email the address, jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, it's brought to you by Win Schuler, Spreadable Cheeses, a favorite in Indy. And I'm going to tell you this, Kroger, I've been to like three of your Kroger's here. we got to restock this stuff because when I start talking about it, it's going to fly off the shelves. So the Westfield Kroger, the uh, Bargersville Kroger, the Greenwood, let's get going on the Win Schuler's here. It's a popular item. Not half-assed this here. Let's go. We're going to talk about it. People are going to love the cheese. It's going to fly off the shelves. So let's get going. Uh, the proud sponsor of the lounge via YouTube Live right there. Now, we got highlights for it throughout the course of the day. What else went on yesterday? The latest regarding Jonathan Taylor. I don't want any soap opera. I want to see some playing. I want to see some playing, some participating, because I, I don't know about anybody else. But I think if you put this dude out there with this group, you got something going. Add to it a little bit. You still have plenty of opportunities with this schedule. And what's weird about it is they always say the cliche is NFL is week to week. Uh, it's almost like it's hour to hour. We didn't know yesterday in Cleveland that Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play until like an hour before the game. You didn't know the foobar that the offensive line was going to be having with the Colts until Friday. It's like hour-to-hour stuff. IU has a new offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> I It's one of those things where it's not going to help, but it's not going to hurt. It's just going to be the same or close to the same, maybe a little bit better, whatever. But they were an absolute disaster on Saturday afternoon in College Park, Maryland. Walt Bell is out. Boilermakers get a win over Illinois. Notre Dame, a big win on the road at Duke. Talk about that, too. I'm going to tell you this. Do I have time? Do I need to go here? James is telling me I need to break. Can you imagine? and, And granted, I'm a Reds fan, and I love Joey Votto. Can you imagine the pipsqueak umpire? that throws him out of the game. And Votto, give him credit, took the high road, said, hey, I can't be tripping from the dugout and expect not to get. Listen, you make bad calls. You toss a guy out that may be playing in his final game. One of the big reasons why we're still allowing, and I'll still listen to, umpires being utilized over Hawkeye or computers or the Whopper or any of this nerdery is because of the human element, the human understanding. There was zero human element and human understanding in that bullcrap. What a pipsqueak umpire. Seriously, if that's how it's going to be, because most of the time the strike zone is missed so badly on a game-in, game-out basis, put a cardboard cutout box back there like you're playing wiffle ball. And then I don't need the human element. 
Get to that coming up as well. Stephen Holder coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Colts Roundtable Live is at 6 o'clock. Matt Taylor, Joe Wrights, and our good friend Rick Venturi coming at you at 6 o'clock. Got bullseye tickets for you as well. The stream, the app, HD Radio, just getting started on this. Not overreaction, but simple, reasonable reaction Monday. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. First and 10 at the plus 35-yard line with Richardson out of the gun. Play action, backs to throw, good protection, leaking out right, throws on the run, fires it upfield. The pass is caught by Indianapolis. This is Mo Alley Cox with a flag on the field, and Mo Alley barrels across the goal line for a touchdown. For the time being, Mo Alley Cox with a touchdown that covers 35 yards and a heroic throw by Anthony Richardson. That is... Matt Taylor right there, voice of the Colts. And I would tell you this, this game was not without good moments. You know, finding a tight end or two, the Drew Ogletree drive that I talked about yesterday on social media, those were good moments. I thought Richardson, especially in the second half late, those were some moments where, you know, we're talking about learning this and learning that. That's that's where you really learn under those circumstances. And other guys could have made plays for him. I mean, I just brought up the Granson drop. Uh, Pierce had one, too. Just the way that they came out, and I know what you're going to say, well, he didn't play last week. Okay. Everybody was flat. Everybody was flat, and then you had the knucklehead play by EJ Speed, which kind of set the tone. I hate saying that, too, but... If you were there, especially watching the game, that's exactly how it felt. And this team just was kind of sleepwalking throughout. But you make no mistake, I talked so much about this defense through three weeks and and the stats that I gave in the Colts pregame huddle, the tackles for loss and sacks and such. And you know, for them to go out there, especially in the second half late, and to be basically pressureless on a 35-year-old quarterback that could barely move without a golf cart, that's problematic to me. You have to be better. And I'm not just talking about the guys on the field, but the coaches calling the plays, all of them. Especially if you're going to end up getting burned by a wide receiver anyway, if you're going to struggle, and st- which was clear here, then just send everybody after the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, end up screwing it up anyway. Our Monday afternoon conversations is always brought to you by the Shane Company. Fine jewelry since 1929. That is the Shane Company. I got a lot to get to today. JMV, one thing I've noticed from this wide receiving course, Pierce continually not showing up. He got one yesterday. It, what's, what's weird to me is I, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe I'm not saying the right thing. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But does it seem like to everybody else out there that when Minshew is out there, you see separation. When Richardson's out there, you don't. Now, I know that it's tough to see because normally there's not a lot of separation in general. 
mean, I'm not a big dude to go back and, hey, look at all the targets here and the targets there, but it seemed like that you took, even with a quarterback that missed the week prior, it took you a while to get re-engaged here. And when he did, he looked good. I'm telling you, there are a couple of throws. And again, one when Josh Downs went the wrong way. But the one with Granson, the, the back shoulder on the sideline, you could not have walked over there and placed that any better. Well, JMV, I think the defender got his hands in on it. I didn't see any hand in on it whatsoever. I wish they would have gone back and like maybe looked at it a little bit more. That just looked like it hit his hands and his stomach and was lost. That that was the moment, and that's the moment that I'm looking at other than the three play calls and then the punt late in the fourth. See, that's what I, I look at the plays that could be made. The plays that could have been made that weren't. And that's why I'm talking about the defense. There's this guy moving around there like he's Uncle Joe on Petticoat Junction. You got to get him. And rarely, if ever, was there much pressure, especially late, put on a guy that probably should not have been in the game. Thank you, Ashley, for that message via X and or Twitter. Joe writes this, I love you, JMV. I'm a huge Reds fan, Joey Votto fan too, but I couldn't disagree more with your opinion on Votto getting tossed. Had to go. Joey didn't know it might be his last game. He went above and beyond ejection territory. Listen, the pipsqueak made the wrong call in the first place. All right? So if you're the pipsqueak and you make a bad call, you should realize that and realize the moment. We're always talking about this human element as to why we hold on to these umpires. And I think it's also because it brings more reaction to a game where they want more reaction. Thank you, brother. Again? But I thought it was super lame. And I'm a Reds fan. I'm a Votto fan. And listen, am, am I angled on this? Sure. But that was stupid. Absolutely stupid. Oh, the human element. The human element should understand the situation. You know what? I, I missed a call. Call was missed. Guy's mad. Could be his final game. All right. Let him shout his piece and it's done. But, you know, a little pipsqueak Napoleon complex. Hey, I don't know about this. I better toss you out. <laughs> better do something about it. Hold on a second. Hey, put my mask back on. My protective bra. Nerd. I'll start out the show. Kevin's at 239-1070. Hello, Kevin. Hey, John. How you doing? Kevin, man? I couldn't be better. Thank you for the call. Thanks Thanks for taking my call. Um, and I, so let me say this, man. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, Kevin and Andy in the morning. I like Query. But, man, your show is off the chain. I mean, and, and, and the reason why I say that is because you make the points, man. Like when you're talking, nobody has been talking about the defense. I'm like, it's to me, it's like simple math. You got a 35 year old quarterback, even before he got hurt. But once he got hurt for sure, why are we sitting back playing soft defense? You know what I mean? And getting and killed anyway. And, and getting killed yeah. anyway. Like by yeah, those guys. Exactly. Yeah. That's 
that's what I was saying. Because people were like, well, you take a risk if you, if you blitz. I'm like, what difference do it make if you sit back yeah. in coverage and you're still getting holes? So I, I, the, the point is, what I worry about moving forward, we, we're talking about rebuild and, you know, getting Anthony Richardson up to speed and all that, but we're not really talking about, like, a rebuild on defense. I mean, from my understanding, we have the personnel of a solid, real defense. So with that said, it, it, and, and I may not be popular for this, you may not even like this, but Gus Bradley is only as good as his personnel. His scheme is too soft. It's too inconsistent. You know what? Yes, and yes. I, I worry about that, man, because, I mean, you, you've seen what we did last year. He was running the show defensively last year, and you give up 30 points to Dallas in the fourth. We're on the wrong side of the greatest comeback ever. I worry about that kind of stuff even this year. We got Tannehill coming in this year, this next week. He could he could go for three bills on us easy because of the scheme that we put out there on defense most of the time. I will tell you this, and I could be wrong about it, but I thought last week, I thought last week he did a lot late, especially of what you're talking about right here. You're exactly right. And and, 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 and they were down, they were down a center and a left tackle last week in Baltimore. But I thought, and, and he was trying to take advantage of that with a quarterback that can still move. So why would you not try to take advantage of that, especially with a quarterback that could not move in a golf cart when you were still going to ultimately get killed down the field anyway? That was nonsense to me. I would agree. Inconsistent defensive scheme. Why would you Why would you blitz? If you're going to blitz Lamar Jackson, that's the one that can tuck in and run on you more than anybody in the league. So what I mean, if you're going if you're not gonna blitz, that's when you don't blitz. But yesterday, yes, man, you got and even like the first game, Trevor Lawrence, I think it was a second touchdown, they let that dude in the red zone sit back there for five seconds, then roll out to the left and throw a pass in the end zone yeah. and for a touchdown. Yeah. I'm like, dude, get after him, man. Yeah, that was the that was the Calvin I, I, was that the Calvin Ridley play you're talking about, that first one in week one? Yes, yeah. man. Yeah. I'm like, so, dang on it, man. But it, I'll yeah. worry about that, and that's to me that's defensive lack of defensive scheme by the defensive well, coordinator. Well, Kevin, I got to run here, but I'll tell you something else. This Rams team they ran for 164 yards yesterday. That's four and a half per carry, and they were concerned about that going in. They had a 100 yard rusher and ran way too much on this Colts defense. They did. This Colts defense really didn't get it done. And I know, I know that you had DeForest Buckner on a pitch count, but you have to be better at that overall they had really nothing defensively if you truly wanted to hang your hat on something yesterday there was really nothing there including decision making quick break we'll come back and again this portion of this show every monday brought to you by the shane company made to shine the shane company back to your calls and more Stephen holder five o'clock hour 93 the fan the ride with JMV. Sis Boomba. Sis Boomba. <laughs> Describe the sound made when a sheep explodes. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Steven San Antonio asked me this. So when is it time to start talking about whether she, uh, Shaq Leonard should be back next year? Given his contract, we're not seeing the production. We should. Well, I can tell you guys are all talking about that right now because he is uh, liking a lot of these these X's or tweets that you're sending. (laughs) I think especially he likes the one where you sent, can we trade Shaq Leonard for Darius Leonard? Shaq is irrelevant. 
Um, apparently, Shaquille Leonard liked that one from you guys. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that coming up a little bit later on. Uh, in case you missed it today, Jonathan Taylor back with the squad off PUP coming up on Wednesday. We'll talk about that with Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. A JMV, I thought Kevin just took the words right out of my mouth. You can't sit back and play cover three all season long. Well, in that game, you're getting whipped anyway. And then especially when you had a quarterback that was mostly immobile the way that it was and basically had to crawl around. I mean, he sacked himself. <laughs> he dropped back and listen, and take nothing away from Stafford. I thought that dude was nails yesterday. The Colts' defense wasn't. He was. But he sacked himself on one play. Uh, Josh, before the top of the hour, jump in here really quick. Hey, how's it going, Jay? I'm great, Josh. Go ahead. Yeah, I was wondering, do you um, how much of a uh, addition do you think JT will be once he gets back? Do you think that will – Well, I mean, that division is very winnable. Um, Tennessee doesn't look really good. Jacksonville, you uh, – it's the Houston, you know, I like C.J. Stroud. I'm so glad that Carolina picked Bryce Young because we probably would have ended up with Bryce yeah, Young. Yeah, I like C.J. Stroud too, man. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I would like – maybe this is too storybook sounding, but I'd like to see – and thank you for the call, Josh. I'd like to see all my conversations about needing Jonathan Taylor be justified by him coming back and realizing that he has to play. You've got no other options to get paid and to even get a future contract. So come out there and run your ass ass off is what I'd love to see but this may be way too storybook for this Colts team talk about that on the other side Dallas Flowers Achilles injury done for the season so a secondary already thin even more so there we'll talk about that your calls if you're on hold next hour we'll add more as well bullseyeeventgroup.com the Colts VIP tailgate if you want passes to the event coming up on Sunday before the Tennessee game. Doors open at 10 a.m., 239-1070. Number nine is going to go on me. Back with the hour two straight ahead. The Ride with JMV. Wait just a minute. Did anybody knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. If they can get back here, some yards on second and long. They trail by 20 points. Richardson in the gun, has time. He's going to zip it upfield. That's a catch. What a catch in the seam by Josh Downs. Downs at the 43-yard line of the Rams, and that was a bullet to Downs with a great adjustment on the ball. Uh, Josh Downs with a catch right there. Uh, welcome back. Hour two, Colts lose yesterday. The Rams 29-23 in overtime, won the toss, and drove down the field and scored with not a great deal of resistance from the Colts' defense, which is incredibly unfortunate considering you thought. And I know that you make the argument that Cincinnati has better players, even though we all talk about the Colts' defensive you know, front seven and that crap. But, man, Cincinnati showed the way last week. They knocked Matthew Stafford around all the time. And, you know, the Colts got to him once or twice yesterday, knocked him down, hobbled, and then you got to go get him. And I understand that you're going to sit back and, you know, you're going to make sure you try to protect, you know, your secondary. Atwell and Nakua, Nakua was a big deal yesterday. 
game-winning catch, touchdown run, the walk-off. But if you can't defend that, which clearly the Colts could not do, then you just got to go all out and get to Stafford, and they just didn't. And they did it in a very soft way. Mentioned before the break, Dallas Flowers and Achilles injury that you could tell non-contact, that was a bad moment. I, I like Dallas Flowers a great deal, too. That stinks for that dude. And clearly stinks for that position, which is already incredibly thin. Jelani Woods will remain on IR with his hamstrings, so I guess our excitement. I, I got a little bit excited about the tight end room yesterday. And you can tell I got excited because I just used the term tight end room. By watching Drew Ogletree have his own drive there where he made play after play after play. Watch Mo get involved. And really, Mo started the Mo. Rick Venturi even referenced that on the broadcast yesterday. So maybe one of these days for Jelani Woods. Jonathan Taylor back with it coming up on Wednesday. And this one, too, you already had concussion protocol for Bernard Ryman, for Ryan Kelly, and Quiddy Pay evidently did develop concussion symptoms at some point after the game. So Quiddy Pay defensively is now in concussion protocol. So not a lot good out of that. Here's what's interesting, too, and we talked about this. And it is Shane Steichen. There's a long way to go. He did not rule out Jonathan Taylor. And we were I was talking about that with a caller about what what I expected. And like there's a difference between what I expect from a guy that hasn't practiced since last December. Actually, last time he practiced was my birthday. December the sixteenth. So there's a difference between expectation and what I want to see, but I want to see all my yip yap and be justified. That's all I've done is talk about, hey, this guy can help, help both sides, help you and help them. Let's all help one another. I sound like an infomercial. Help, help, help. We all need help. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Let's all hold hands. That's seriously, that's what I've sounded like the past two months. I notice it. So to justify that, I would love to see him come back, come back, jump right back in and be a major factor. Yet the reality of it would dictate that that is probably not going to be the case. But I don't care if he's out there playing. My expectations are for him to be Jonathan Taylor. Anybody else? I don't care if you're mad, glad, happy or sad. The expectation is, and that should be his expectation, you know, whether or not he's auditioning for another contract here or someplace else or whatever. But selfishly speaking, I would love to see him justify all my yip-yapping. There's been a lot of it. Hey, why don't we just come back and hold hands? Hey, Colts, do you like me? Circle yes or no. Like been me. Ugh. Can you imagine if I went back and listened to that? All this stuff I've talked about with him. You know, the worst part about it is, and this is what concerns me because I, I'm very superstitious. I do believe 
in karma, both good and bad. Last week when I brought up to Matt Gay, hey, um, don't miss one on Sunday because, you know, I'll get blamed for it. And what did he do? He trotted right out there and missed his first one. I mean, right out there. Right out there. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I may be a schlep rock. I'm not sure. Not sure. Like, it's funny, too, with the Reds. I, I didn't watch him on Friday, and they, they put up, like, three touchdowns against St. Louis. And then they were on during the JMV takeover, and they had Nuke Lelouch come out and start pitching. Connor Phillips threw, what was it, 12 straight balls. Nothing as Nuke Lelouch-ish you've ever seen from Bull Durham in your life. There is no way, no way this guy was not crapping his pants. None. I'm assuming he had some sort of ball player man diaper on. There was no way. So I think I'm a slip rock to a degree. Kind of scary when you think about it. Hey, Jamvi, I think Pierce has to do more plain and simple. I'm not sure if he's not getting separation or if he's being missed. Ballard has to get this whiteout situation right for Richardson. It's funny, too. I hear this all the time. People say, hey, I just don't want them. They're going to win too much. Or I want them to lose and be entertaining so you can get Marvin Harrison Jr. You know what you can do? As much as I like him, screw that. What Chris Ballard has to do is go out and get a defining wide receiver in real time. Not tomorrow, which would be great if it were, but not tomorrow. Not next week, not next month, maybe not even next year. It'd be great if it were next year. But at some point, you got to do something with somebody already established because I think we're all sick and tired of sitting here twiddling our thumbs if you're watching via YouTube Live, the Win Schuler's Cheese Lounge. It's spread out. We're all sick of sitting around and watching this. I mean, it's. Get somebody that's established to help your guy right now. Do exactly what Philadelphia did. I mean, we'll all talk about you know what Philadelphia did when Shane Steichen was there and the offensive coordinator. You know what they did do in a major way? They went out and, and they just completely screwed Tennessee out of their minds for A.J. Brown. That's what you got to do. Whether or not you believe in it, whether or not it's part of your blueprint, part of your plan, your scheme, what you believe is smart running an organization. If you can't tell with this group moving forward that that is a tremendous necessity, then let me do it. I can't do anything else, but I can certainly notice that. Hey, JMV, if the expectation is to learn, what is the problem with learning to win? The team already knows how to lose. The team should focus on wins and not worry about next year's draft picks. I'm all for that, Damian. I am. I'm all for winning. If it's a game that's not winnable, all right. If you're outclassed completely, whatever. But yesterday, that was incredibly winnable all the way to the end, even when you screwed yourself in that first half coming out in the fashion in which you did, I cannot justify coming out here at 3 o'clock on a Monday and saying, hey, you know what? You know, they came back. That's a character builder. Yes. I can't justify that. 
And I truly understand what this year is about. And I set expectations very low. They haven't won in that building in the last seven times. These are all things you got to notice. You can build upon winning, too. It's okay. You don't always have to be, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers are part of a 15-year process. Hey, great, we're winning now. Well, we're a part of the process. I mean, it doesn't make you any more full of a person. It just wears out your fan base. All right, where am I going here? Sam line three at 239-1070. Hour two belongs to you guys. Stephen Holder coming up in the five. Hello, Sam. Hey, how's it going, James? Sam, I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about what you're talking about as far as the exciting wins go. Um, so I'm a graduate of North Central High School, and my first three years we experienced uh, one of the worst three seasons of high school football you could possibly imagine. And to your point, I'll never forget week in and week out, we would lose by, you know, less points than what we lost by last week. And we would have the coach tell us, you know, hey, we're headed in the right direction or we're getting better or, you know, we're, we're, we're moving forward. Well, I'll tell you one thing, and, and I think to your point, the fans agree with it too, but it, it doesn't do anything for the players either. Losing by three points to me, and I think it's the same for almost any level of football, is just as bad as losing by 20. A loss is a loss, and in the NFL, when you only have 17 games, I mean, I, I just don't think it matters. And I think, you know, if, if you can find some type of, you know, solace in, in losing a close game, then in, in my opinion, you're a loser. Well, we just have to talk about it in terms of how the game went down in a fair and balanced fashion, and that's that's what we do right here, and that's what you're talking about right now. So regardless of what expectations I set at the start of the year, if you're going to go out you're going to play soft defensively like that and you're going to take an entire half of football to get going, you're going to get down by basically you know three touchdowns before you get things started, then you're regardless of a young team and a learning team and low expectations, then you're going to get ripped, and deservedly so. And these guys will look in the mirror the same way as we're talking talking right now they don't expect to go out there and think of this as a rebuilding year not at all they want to go out there and win games so they're saying the same things we are and it's okay to do that because that is being fair now if we were over the top and expected something that truly this team this organization was not capable of that's one thing but being fair in how we judge they played yesterday is exactly why we're here every day so you're right sam Yep, thank you. I love the show, man. Thanks, Sam. You call anytime. Yeah, Diggler, man. Connor Phillips. There just I mean, you know. <laughs> I is it okay to feel sorry? Did anybody feel sorry if you watched that? I know nobody cares. I shouldn't even bring it up. I need to rip on the pipsqueak umpire that tossed Votto out yesterday. Well, the human element. <laughs> the human element. If you don't recognize the situation right there, bad calls, the reason why, and the fact that this guy is infinitely more smart about anything baseball than your little pipsqueak nerdy rear end is, don't get me started. Uh, BT is on here. BT, are you talking about Shaquille Leonard? BT, are you there? 
I don't hear BT. I'll put him back on hold. That's a good dude right there. BT, hang out. We were not hearing you. You are not coming in loud and clear. Uh, Derek's up next, 239-1070. Hello, Derek. Hey, JMV. How are you, buddy? Derek, fantastic. Thank you so much for the call. I have three things that you've been talking about on your amazing, wonderful show here. One, (laughs) one, is Shane Steichen, is he in the process of tearing down the, the soft-ass culture that was left by Frank Wright? Um, well, he certainly does it differently. I mean, there, there are some arguments to be made, and it, it, it kind of makes you wonder why. You're, you know, are you going to put that in terms of Shaquille Leonard being benched and not getting the reps that you normally would expect out of him? Or are you talking about two guys that have been benched, like Daryl Baker Jr., a healthy scratch, or Deion Jackson being cut? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Because we, you know, we all know that uh, you know Frank Wright would cobble them off to the side, and it seems like to me Shane Steichen is not putting up with their crap. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, it, it's that's the way that it. I will say this: it seems like that that Shane Steichen certainly has a way in which he wants to coach up this team in mind. And I, for a guy here or there, or for the sake of somebody's ego or patting somebody on the back, uh, he may not um, care too much about that. So yes, I think you're you're accurate. Yeah, accountability that may certainly that wasn't here with Frank Reich. I mean, he would pat you on the back and go, "Hey, go back out there and play again." But uh, th- this guy, this guy certainly seems like that he'll put the hammer down if necessary. And something else, I think that's been an issue with the organization for the past you know, a handful of years, and you're hitting the head on it. At what point do moral victories stop being the standard here? Um, I, I would say this, I, I would, and, and I'm ready for it. Don't get me wrong. I just think that this team came in with such low expectations that when you lose a game like that, it's very easy to go, oh, well, great, you were really close, but, you know, that was a fun game. And I just kind of look at it as, no, that was a missed opportunity to be even better. And, you know, we look at it in terms of 2012 when they won 11 games and Andrew Luck's rookie season. That was much more enjoyable. And, in fact, that was probably the most enjoyable season we've had around here in forever. Maybe even more enjoyable, honestly, than the AFC title game season because there's nothing better than a low expectation wise season that blows up up into you know 11 or 12 win season when you're a surprise that's what really gets everybody going and there's nothing wrong with that you're still building in the right direction right but you're just seeing results earlier and there is zero wrong with that i think you're absolutely right and the last thing i have to uh, touch on is your schlep rock umpires if Major League Baseball players have to be held accountable for their actions in between the lines, at what point are uh, Major League umpires going to be held to that same standard? Well, they, the fact that they let Angel Hernandez roll out there every day and be a spectacle in which he is is absolutely amazing to me, if you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What a what a clown that uh, that it's Yeah, and, and listen, and thank you for the call, Derek. You call any time. I, I understand that I, I sound like, oh, you're just going to gripe about the umpires or gripe about the officiating. I really only love to do that with the NBA. I love making fun of NBA officiating. Love it. Now, yesterday, think about those two calls, which were clear drops. One out of bounds, one in the middle of the field. Think about what had to have been done had those plays happened prior to the final two minutes. 
Think about that for a moment. And everybody in the world saw that. Everybody. You you have to have better eyeballs on the field than that. But my, my point with Votto is just everybody talks about the human element with making mistakes. With, all right, well, that ball's out of the strike zone. The reason why Votto went nuts yesterday was because the ball was out of the strike zone. And if you make that call and then you toss him because of that, he doesn't look like a weasel. And everybody talks about the human element. Well, part of the human element is recognizing that. I mean, they, they recognize all these other things. You know, when somebody's getting an extra long round of applause, final at bat maybe in their career, the season, uh, somebody that's done something in a different stadium that's back again and where they used to play, you know, the umpire will come out from behind the plate and dust off the plate and take a little bit of time and let that player kind of soak up the adulation. But yesterday was a joke. Don't do that. Hey, BT Do, are you there? Man, I'm here. You're not paying attention? No. Do you need that uh, old man phone that, like, has to reach out and grab you when it's ringing? (laughs) Me and technology. We're not doing so well, buddy. Hey, good show Saturday, by the way. Thank you very much. I had a good time doing it. (laughs) And you're right. Yesterday, I turned over to the Reds game. I said, man, I want to see Joey. He's going to his yeah. last game. And he strikes out, no biggie. And then they come back and they're like, <laughs> well, Joey Votto's been thrown out. And That's I'm like, funny. well, isn't that awesome? It's another reason for me to hate St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Darius Leonard, I don't, or Shaq or whatever he is now. Um, he's not liking my tweets. No, he's not. He's uh, he's responding to that right now. And he, you know, and and what that is, he sees what everybody else is seeing. I mean, he knows his lack of production. He knows coming out of the game, and he knows how much money he makes uh, at a position in which is not viewed as vital. And you know, um, I, he normally uses this as motivation to to really get up and turn things around. You know, maybe you can do that. Maybe you can motivate him by this. But it just kind of seems like maybe right now he's getting a little pissed. So, uh, the way it seems. Yeah, so. well, yeah, whatever. But yeah, you you have to have you have to have more, and that is something. It's not like me saying this or breaking new ground. At the end of the year, if this continues to go in this direction, I mean, it'll either be. I, I think that they have they have some sort of out to where you'll have dead money on the books, but certainly you're not going to pay his salary without a an adjustment on it so and again we're through the first four weeks of the season maybe he turns it around maybe you are the motivation that helps him turn it around but (laughs) you you, you gotta be looking for more and so does he too to justify how much he gets paid no kidding you think that's part of the reason why um the whole taylor incident happened because Mm. they got a little snake bit from that agent of theirs signing Shaq and then I just think that that Jonathan Taylor legitimately wanted to get reworked and more money before he went back out there and then you see guys get injured and you see the devaluing of that position and it makes you even more apprehensive about where you're going uh, for the future I just you're at a point now with with Taylor I just don't know what alternative he has other than come back Wednesday play once he gets out there play 
and then prove to everybody that, that your value is not like everybody else's at that position. I, I know that that's a pipe dream, and again, it's kind of a storybook ending that I'm talking about here, and I hope that I get justified with that, but I just I don't know any other options he has, BT, right now other than do just what I'm talking about. So, And, and I'm it. not doing it to be a wise guy or nothing, but how long does it take for a hamstring to heal? Um, well, I mean, he's healthy. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. he's fine. He's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about Woods this time. Oh, well, I mean, I'd, I'd heard stuff about, you know, how maybe they – it is weird, too, because I think I asked – maybe I asked Joel A. Erickson. Or maybe it was uh, – who was it, James, that I asked about maybe the Colts weren't too happy with the type of condition off season that Jelani Woods – was in. I can't remember. Was it James Boyd? I think it it was James Boyd of the Athletic that said, you know what? No, he did a different workout regimen, and that wasn't it. But I was told for some people over there that maybe it was more of his lack of attention to detail conditioning-wise that kind of led to this. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I get two different stories. Gotcha. Yep. And good to see see Mo Cox double his season totals yesterday. Hey, I'm trying to get Drew Ogletree on this show. I love the Drew Ogletree drive. Love that. Love seeing it. BT, always great to hear from you. Be good, brother. Uh, let me take a break and come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Bullseye passes coming up too. Stephen Holden in the 5 o'clock hour. I'll bring up that point regarding Jelani Woods and also talk to him about Jonathan Taylor's return, that impact when it does take place. Shane Steichen didn't rule him out for Sunday. I can't imagine. But today, Shane Steichen did not rule him out. Dallas Flowers done for the season. Quiddy Pay and concussion protocol. And Jelani Woods still on the IR. Stephen Holder, 5 o'clock hour. Your calls and more coming up at 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. The Windshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. Where you can listen, watch, participate, and stuff I get. That's uh, the Windshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It is third and goal at the five-yard line. The two-minute warning. The Colts have three tight ends into the game. And they shift the formation. Richardson out of the gun. Trey Sermon motions out wide to the right side. Richardson throws it upfield. Caught by Andrew Ogletree. Taylor on the call right there. That was the Ogletree drive. And a shout-out to the tight ends, which a couple of them made plays yesterday. Needed one more play from Kylan Grants. And I want to ask you guys this question. Because I have um, I've been critical about that lack of a catch. That was the final drive. A little under a minute and a half, I believe, to go in the game third and 10 and then most people were upset about the play calling the only thing that I looked at in that final regulation drive regarding the play calling was if you're you're going to throw then maybe move the quarterback around which you normally do and uh, not do so from the pocket but uh, to me and I've looked at it 
various times, even though Fox did not go back to any sort of replay and you're kind of stuck with, you know, seeing it in real time or going back on your DVR. And I, I think I put it up. Maybe I put it up yesterday. I'm not sure. Uh, via my X and or Twitter account. Is everybody with me that that was a drop? Some have suggested that I think it was was Lake defensively in there for the Rams that his hand got in there. The only thing I saw was football through the hands and into the stomach and then onto the turf. Am I accurate? Or am I giving Kylan Granson too much crap today? Because that was a major moment. And I've been complaining about the defense for the most part. I really liked late in the game the way Anthony Richardson played. No complaints there. Gave some shouts to the tight ends. They certainly needed that. That defense, not so much. But regarding Granson, that to me looked like an incredible drop. Am I right? Or did you think that the defender did get his hand in there. Sit on that and tell me what you think for a moment. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. We'll ask him. He's up in the press box, too. I mean, you can't see anything up there. I think Jonathan Vilma does a good job on Fox. They just don't go back to replays. And I'm sure it's not like what, you know, their bigger broadcasts are. They have a thousand cameras and every different angle and all that. And they probably... Uh, don't do it to that level. But, man, you really needed to see that. I thought that that was just a straight drop. Marcellus at 239-1070. Hello, Marcellus. What's up, my friend? How, How are you? Doing? Man, missed you on Saturday, man. What happened to you? Man, I got a great excuse, though, man. I was at the Indy Jazz Fest, man. That's all right. Watching Stanley Clark, Sheila E. Ooh, Sheila E. was out there playing the drums? James. Huh? She was playing some percussion for you out there, was she? Absolutely. She told me to tell you how to. Well, man. did you? Did, did she still looking as fine as she's always looked? <laughs> always, man. Even at sixty six, man. She, 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 is she sixty six? Uh, Are you kidding me? Wow. She is. She said she was celebrating her birthday too that uh, Saturday night. You know what? So, I completely yeah. forgot that she and Stanley Clark and others were at Jazz Fest. That's pretty awesome. It was great, man. It was great, but uh, not so great the next day. Uh, no, that's <laughs> a bummer. The next day, yeah. Yeah, a little bummer, man. Um, you know, I'm with you 100%, man. I want to win. I don't care about all the getting Marvin Harrison Jr. and all of that crap. Man, look, if the Patriots haven't shown us over the last, what, 15, 20 years almost seems like, that they always are the last ones to draft because they're always in the Super Bowls, you know, and it's all about their scouting. Can they, you know, it's all about scouting, you know, and really you talk about number one draft picks that have really panned out in the last 15, 20 years. It's been Peyton Manning. You know, he, he was the number one and he won Super Bowls. The rest of, rest of these guys come out, man, they're in later rounds and they start to emerge. Tom Brady, all these guys, they were, they were backups at first, and then they start to emerge behind somebody else. Even Aaron, the great Aaron Rodgers was behind Brett Favre for years. You know, so it's just one of those things, man. Uh, but I tell you this, what, what I, man, 
it, it, the, the, the drops we had, the overthrows, and I'm saying, uh, yeah, I know these are growing pains, but man, again, we're wasting some of the ye- good years of, of, of the players. Yeah, there's like, some like, out there that need to need to see, yeah, some some turnaround yeah. and some winning right now. I agree. But, yeah, you know, and, and it's like this, you know, uh, and I know. <laughs> Remember, I talked about this earlier. I said, look, I didn't think our receiving core was very good. But then my man got hurt, and and the other guy came in, and every, all of a sudden, and down in Houston, everybody was catching balls, man. It was it was amazing. And I'm just wondering, okay, why, why is that? Well, you can open up more of the playbook for Minshew. He knows the he knows the Shane the Shane Steichen offense like the back of his hand. We can't open up much of the playbook for Anthony right now. Can we at least get a lead or get some some points on the board so the defense isn't on the field for? I heard they were on the field for forty minutes. Is that correct? I'd it's have to look six, back, but it, it seemed like that. And, and it's Marcellus, only a sixty minute game. Yeah, it's I, only a I'd game. have to look. I'd have to look back on that. But I, I will say this: Did you hear what I was talking about earlier? When you watch Richardson out there, you rarely see any separation from receivers. But when Minshew's out there, you do see the separation, yeah. and there is there is a been a difference so far. Yeah, there, there is a, and he sees the field differently. He's his release is quicker. Uh, he knows he, man. They was they were doing screens, bubble screens, and all those type of things that were working very nicely uh, with Minshew. But they can't do that with Richardson right now. And and what the defense the, the defense knows okay, it was about six plays that they're gonna run with this guy, and they're ready for that. They don't know what we're gonna run with Minshew. And I'm not saying Minshew plays the whole game, but I'm saying, man, look, the defense needs rest. The the, the 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 receivers would love to have some stats. So I talked about that before. They'd love to have some catches. And all of a sudden, they're not catching the ball yesterday. Again, here we go. And it's like, is there a pattern here? I think so. But it doesn't mean we, we have to sacrifice the team on the altar of training this guy. You know, they want to win too. And it's like, can we – can we, as the ultimate team game, put Minshew in, just put some points on the board, move the ball around, then, then let Anthony come in and clean up, you know, I mean, in, in the second half, you know, like he like he will do, you know. I don't know, man. I'm just throwing it. I'm just throwing mud against the wall, man. Yeah, and I don't – I I do. I see the same thing you do, and I'm assuming there is a lot of experience, but also – they just you're you're talking about not opening up the playbook for for Richardson compared to Minshew, but I just think that there are different there, there are different chapters in the playbook that Richardson goes through as Minshew does not. So maybe that's you know playing a role. I, I just Marcellus, I can't get with you on on wanting to sit him on the bench though. I can't. Yeah. I, I would rather see yeah. him. You you, you yeah. got to work through it and learn that right now. I just wish yeah. that you could make some plays to win the game. I thought late in the game he looked really good. And he threw some ropes. Yeah. He threw one that Granson dropped that I felt he dropped it that maybe could have led to you know a possible game winning field goal from Matt Gay. Uh, but yeah. I um I, I do I do see what you see as well and I'm assuming they're just yeah. different chapters of the playbook that they're utilizing there. And possibly so, you know yeah. and, and you know, could drops be the touch that's put on the ball. Well, there's no question that thing comes in a lot hotter. 
with um, exactly. with Richardson yeah, throwing ten, it than Minshew. Yeah, so yeah, no yeah, doubt, a ten, ten yarder doesn't have to go ninety miles an hour. You know, you got it. All right, no Jazz Fest this weekend. I'll expect a no, call. Got you, man. Got you. <laughs> Take it easy, Marcellus. Appreciate you, Fulton. Before the break at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Fulton. Hey, Jim. MV, how are you? I am fantastic. Fulton, how are you today? I've been busy. <laughs> Me too. Yep. Me too. I don't know. I, I surely has a, I have not been as busy as you, though, so I'm glad you've yep. called. What you got on your mind? Well, I've got play practice tonight, so I'm doing half the musical. Tonight. Okay. Well done. What else? Um, let's see. Um... Is uh, Ryan Kelly going to be playing for the Colts this time? Hey, by the way, by the way, shout out to Ryan Kelly who added to uh, the family evidently earlier this morning. Uh, that is very nice. I, you know what, Fulton, it is very tough to judge concussion protocol. Now, I could tell you right now that going into week number two, that yeah, I'd feel good about him playing on Sunday. But I felt toward the end of the week good about him playing yesterday, and he didn't. It is just a tough possibility to judge whether or not one of these guys can get through concussion protocol in time to play. So I would say with the amount of time he's missed already, yes, but it's always incredibly tough to judge. Yeah, I I can imagine so. Fulton, you call any time. It's great to hear from you. Great to hear from you. That is our friend Fulton right there. All right, top of the hour, Stephen Holder. So, Quiddy Pays in concussion protocol. Dallas Flowers out for the season. Jonathan Taylor returns to practice on Wednesday. Shane Steichen talked about good dialogue with uh, Jonathan Taylor. We'll discuss that and more with Stephen Holder coming up at the top of the hour. BullseyeEventGroup.com and the Colts VIP tailgate. I got a pair of passes to give away. Not right now. Not right now, but before the end of the hour. So listen to win. All you can eat, all you can drink before the Tennessee game coming up on Sunday. I'm telling you, it is an absolute blast. Kelsey Murphy was down there, too, from MasterChef on Fox. She and uh, Nameless Catering are doing the food, but it's been outstanding so far. Somebody's going to get to go on me before the end of this hour. 93.5107. Five the fan. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Thank you all for joining us. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, brought to you by Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses. The state of Indiana rejoice with Winshuler Spreadable Cheese, available at Kroger and Meyer locations in a variety of flavors, including original cheddar, sharp cheddar, bacon and cheddar, and pepper jack. But a reminder to the local Krogers out there, I love you, Kroger, but you got to restock. I was inside three of you over the weekend, and not a one of you had it. Come on now. You can't. You can't ask me. To get out there and say, yeah, go get it. You got to have it in stock. See, it's hard to find. Because it's great when Schuler's spreadable cheeses. Proud sponsor of the Lounge via YouTube Live and the Ride with JMV. Shout out to Scott yesterday. I saw Scott and his daughter out in front of the Bullseye Event Center before the doors opened. I'm glad you had a terrific time. It is. I'm telling you, there's no better way to get your game day started than the Bullseye Event Center. It is awesome. 
Great times yesterday, Scott. Great seeing you guys, too. Wade, before the top of the hour, join the show, sir. How are you? Good. How are you doing, John? Wade, I couldn't be better. Go ahead. So, I have a question. I know you seem to be, I think we're on the same page mm-hmm. when it comes to Chris Boward getting a pretty long leash after a whole, after, yes. after last year's ordeal. Yes. So, this question actually is more towards IU football, but when do you think Tom Allen, how long do you think his leash is? When, uh, when his $20 million buyout goes down to eight after next year, he is uh, going to be punted out of there. So, yeah, it seems, seems like he gets a pretty long leash. Yeah, man, I, they don't want to pay a $20 million buyout. Yeah, either that or they can't find anyone that wants to come coach IU football. Well, I mean, yeah, well, it's not like – I mean, it's funny. Everybody kind of acts like this is just, you know, new, but this is, for the most part, been during all my life um, the way that IU football has gone. But, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, all this other stuff. I mean, you had to do it with Walt Bell, especially after that fiasco in, in Maryland over the weekend. But, yeah, if not for a heavy heavy buyout in his contract, he would have, I'm sure, already been gone. Certainly at the end of the season would be gone. But uh, I think uh, it goes down to $8 million after next year. So that's where that's going to be. Yep. For sure. Hey, Wade, well, you call any time. Thank you. You got it. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. How about number nine right now at 239-1070? Hey, experience what I'm talking about, the Bullseye Event Center, bullseyeeventgroup.com. Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes & Sons Restoration. All you can eat, all you can drink. I saw Skids in there yesterday. I saw Rick DeMulling in there. Uh, Gary Brackett was in there. I think DJ Rain was in there. I hadn't seen DJ Rain in a while. Good times, though. Had by all. You can eat all you can drink. Number 9, 239-1070 gets passes on me. 93-5107 the fan. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93-5 and 107-5. The Fan. Second down and 20 now for the Colts. Ball is at the right half. She goes out of the gun. Three receivers go to left. Richardson fakes a handoff in the pocket. Here comes the pressure. Flies it downfield. Looking to make it. Play on the ball. It's Alec Pierce, and he's got it. And multiple flags are down in the secondary. And Pierce with a great grab down to the Ram 34-yard line. See, that's what you're looking for right there. Matt Taylor on the call. Alec Pierce with the reception. Uh, background, the police on this date in 81, Ghosts and the Machines released, and uh, also celebrating the 72nd birthday of their former lead, Sting, today. Sting, which even sounds weird to say, Sting is 72 years of age today. JR says this, I think Joey Votto comes back one more year, yeah, and then maybe I'll go ahead and take back what I said about the umpire that tossed him yesterday for being a pipsqueak. <laughs> I love Votto. I'm I'm a Reds fan. The weekend didn't go well. Connor Phillips to start the game. Ball one, ball two, ball three, ball four, ball five, ball six, ball, seven, ball eight, ball nine. Twelve straight balls. Man, I have a tremendous joke that is loaded right now. But 5.02 on a Monday afternoon, it is not appropriate. It's loaded. <laughs> ask me ask me sometime when you see me on the street, and I'll unleash it. Oh, it's a good one. 
Uh, JMV, after watching Big Mo lower his shoulder and physically manhandle his way to the end zone, why are we not getting him more involved routinely? Guy would win 95% of jump bowls and run over little guys. That's the first time I've seen him do anything this year. It was good to see, though. I love seeing the Ogletree drive, too. Meantime, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, he writes regarding the Colts in the press box yesterday. And we have a myriad of things to discuss right now with Stephen Holder. Stephen, how are you? I am doing well. How are you, John? Before we double back and talk about yesterday, um, right. I do want to talk about where we are in the present. So, Quiddy Pay concussion protocol to join the party in there right now. Jonathan Taylor is going to be back on Wednesday. Shane Steichen did not rule him out. And I think this sucks because I like this kid a great deal. Dallas Flowers done for the season with an Achilles injury. And Jelani Woods remains on the IR. So, where would you like to start with the four or five topics I gave oh. you present time? A lot going on, man. A yeah. lot going on. Uh, well, let's just get the injuries out of the way, and then we can get into the meteor sure. stuff, I suppose. Yeah. So, shoot. What you got? Um, I, so, Jelani Woods, I've heard two yeah. different things. I've heard from some that he spent an offseason of not being in the type of condition that they needed him to be in, and that kind of led to this. And then I've heard from others that he spent the offseason working hard, and that kind of led to this. Uh, have you heard a truth either way as far as Jelani Woods is concerned? I, I can't clarify one way or the other, to be completely honest with you. But I, I did talk to him last week because it occurred to me, I saw him in the locker room one day, and I was like, hey, man, like, are we getting anywhere? What's going on? And and he said that he thought he was pretty close. Now, I thought he had a chance this week. It appears that's not going to happen. But I, I don't – as far as I know, this is not some kind of season-ending kind of thing and that they can get him going here soon. But the other thing – the other reality here is that with hamstring injuries, you know, we all know from – from watching football over the years or even just our own personal experiences, you know, they can be tricky and they can linger. So you you have to know that the guy is ready. Otherwise, you know, you're talking about, you know, a a kind of a stop and start situation where he re-injures it and then you're back to square one. So I think that's what they're Larry about right now. And we'll see, but to, to their, to the credit of the other guys at tight ends collectively are really coming through right now. So I think they've, they've, largely worked around Jelani Woods' absence, but but I do think he has some abilities that maybe those other guys don't. So Stephen Holder from ESPN joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You probably have received a little bit of the same thing. I have a lot of people ripping on the accomplishments so far through four weeks of one Darius Leonard since his return. And in turn, he is liking most of these these tweets or X's on my Twitter handle right now. The latest being, can we trade Shaq Leonard for Darius Leonard? Shaq is irrelevant. Um, obviously, oh his, his snap count is not to where it needs to be, and his production is not where it needs to be as far as what he is getting paid. Something ultimately has to give. Are we looking at this too early, or is this justifiable to wonder, all right, is this guy ever going to materialize and become what we thought he was going to be we are where are we right now with Leonard I mean that's a fair question I think at the end of the day I mean that's that's the hope I mean that has been the hope for for this entire period you know through this entire process that he would get back to being the guy that he is so it's been a couple years since we've seen that guy so is it fair 
to ask that question? I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, that's not a prediction that he won't be that guy. I'm not, I'm certainly not making that prediction, but I, I think we can only go by what we see right now. And clearly what we see right now is that he is not that guy. Was and, the coaching staff realizing that yesterday, for example? I, uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think you saw they played four linebackers yesterday, you know, and this is a team that, that in the past, you know, just largely played just two. And so part of the reason they, they really never, you know, kind of delved into that depth is because uh, they had Leonard and, and then usually a, a second guy like Okereke or, you know, you can go back to Anthony Walker in previous years and they just didn't need anybody else, you know? So now that, that they aren't getting maybe the same production out of Shaq Leonard uh, has opened the door for EJ speed to take more reps and for other guys to get involved and, and for him to take a little bit of a backseat at times. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a cold, you know, douse of water to see him like that because we're not used to it. You know, we're not used to seeing, Jack Leonard sharing snaps. This is not a thing. And but that's where we are right now. I, I don't know. I mean, we're four games in, long way to go. Hopefully he continues to improve. I mean, he has come a long way from last year, but that's not the question. The question is, can he be the guy he used to be? And we haven't seen that guy yet. But I, but I do think it's important to note that he has come a long way from last year. But that last step is the hardest step. You know, getting back to the elite player he used to be, that's the hardest step. And and that's the step he hasn't been able to take yet. Yeah, it's funny. You look back at that year when he had all those turnovers. There was so much to be said about right place at right time and then ultimately setting that bar to where it is and everybody believes you to be right now. But I would would guess that from what we've seen through the first four weeks – I mean that's that's cuttable, that's salary adjustable. I mean those those are big decisions to be made if he continues to play at the pace, right, Stephen, in which we've seen to this point. Well, that will not be a fun conversation. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> but look, the reality is in the NFL, you can have that right after you have the next Jonathan Taylor one. So yeah, right. that'll go. No, listen, <laughs> Just take care and, of two things at once, right there. Yeah, they have something in common if you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, they have the same representation. So anyway, be that as it may, I don't think that's relevant necessarily. But, but I, I do think the NFL is such that look. Uh, contracts are, I don't like to, you know, sort of harp on guys' money, right? Because I don't want to pocket watch and all that, right? However, at the end of the day, they they pay you for what they anticipate you will be in the future when, when you sign that contract. You are being paid for the anticipation of future performance. And we know all too well that when the performance does not meet a certain standard, sometimes things change. And that's all we can say right now. I mean, we're again, we're we're still on the front end of this long way to go, but it you know, Shaq Leonard's one of the highest paid players on the team. That is a fact, and you can feel about that however you want to feel, but that's a fact. So uh, there's a certain level of performance that that is expected based on uh, the contract that has been handed out. 
it is what it is. Stephen Holder joins us. So this team came out incredibly flat. You saw it. I saw it from the press box yesterday, uh, inexplicably, especially considering going into yesterday, they had lost six straight at home. Um, and why you come out looking like that on both sides of the football. And I know that that was it was helped by EJ Speed and a bonehead play. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit. But, you know, they got going. And, and the one thing that stood out to me, I've been more hardcore on the defense today because they had through three weeks set a standard of excitement with, you know, tackles for loss and sacks and an aggressive play that we saw against a, a hampered offensive line last week in that overtime win against Baltimore. And then they come out and in true Gus Bradley fashion, that's how he plays and plays so incredibly soft. And okay, that's how he normally plays. But once you see Matthew Stafford looking like he's 98 years old and needs a golf cart out there, how do you not? just go straight at him as ferociously as you can. And I know that you don't want to leave the backside open, but Steven, they were getting their ass whipped on the backside anyway. So why why don't you realize that, especially once you saw Stafford and the condition in which he was? He couldn't walk. I mean, he could not walk. It was amazing. And to his credit, by the way, Oh, he was nails, man. He was nails yesterday. That guy is tough. Yeah. People don't give him enough credit. That guy is tough. And, you know, not that not that I, I don't think the world of Anthony Richardson, but in an alternate universe, Matt Stafford would have looked pretty good in a Colts uniform. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So uh, I would say this. I thought there was an opportunity there. Look, they went and blitzed Lamar Jackson last week, who is probably the most, uh, the, the most, or the most difficult quarterback to bring down because of his escape ability. They went and blitzed him, and it was successful last week. So here you have a guy who can't move at all. Granted, he has a quick release, and he throws an anticipation at an elite level. All those things are true. But, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> you you got to make it tough on him. I mean, you he's got to smell the blood in the water. I agree with you. And I thought that was the perfect opportunity. Look, Gus Bradley is not a blitzer. It's just not what he does. But I had said probably on your show last week that I liked the fact that he showed some adaptability and, and, and open-mindedness and, and did get aggressive at times in the last couple of weeks. I, I think they did it against Houston as well. And we saw none of that yesterday. We saw it in very, very isolated instances. And the thing about it is when they have blitzed, they've actually gotten a lot of production out of it. They've gotten results from those blitzes. You know, EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin, uh, Kenny Moore off the edge at times. I mean, they've gotten – they made the most of them, put it that way. They haven't blitzed a lot. They're still way, way, way at the bottom of the league in terms of the rate of blitzes. But when they do it, I see it being very productive. And and then secondly, a byproduct here is you talked about them getting ripped on the back end regardless. This is, this is not an I told you so, but one of the things that got lost in the last couple of weeks because they did play well overall and found ways to, to kind of be gritty and, and and find ways to win. One of the things that got lost is that they still have some real deficiencies that I was just waiting to show up (laughs) and you knew they would. And yesterday was an example of what I thought could happen. That deficiency showed up. Frankly, it showed up week one. I'm talking about the cornerback depth and the lack of, of real uh, proven players at that position. I mean, it showed up in week one and they covered it up a little bit the last couple of weeks because they got some pass rush going against backup offensive linemen. When the pass rush wasn't there, those corners got exposed. 
exposed, okay, with a capital E. That was dreadful. I just I look at that's to me one of the big reasons why they won last week was because of the blitzing and that change of pace in which they did, even against Lamar Jackson, you know, pushing them back at times, especially in those moments when they needed it on the field position wise the most. And the fact that they didn't recognize that yesterday is ridiculous to me. And the Rams did a lot of things yesterday, and certainly and Nakua catching footballs is not one thing that's been unique to the start of their season. But running the football was, they had a 100-yard rusher, and it always seemed like that they got against this defense a chunk of yardage on the ground when they really needed it, maybe on a first down, maybe on a second down, and it kind of set them up for the rest of it and it just seemed like that the Colts defensively all day long played so incredibly soft and I know that that's how he likes to play but as soon as you saw Stafford in that condition you got to do something different I also will tell you this Stephen I think one of the reasons why when Stafford got injured I thought McVay took the foot off the gas and I think that's one of the reasons why you saw the Colts kind of catch up it wasn't about the defense you know getting these great stops you know, they were just kind of hanging in there. But I, I thought that offensively, because of the condition of Stafford, thought McVay kind of took his foot up off the accelerator a little bit. Oh, I, I noticed that. There were probably two or three instances, including, I believe, their very last possession of regulation, where I was like, what is McVay doing? That's not like him, you know? He's a guy who, who wants to go for the throat, and he's always kind of been that kind of guy. He was not that guy yesterday, and I, I thought that was – uh, definitely noticeable, and you may you may actually be onto something in terms of the reason he he elected to to make those decisions because he was not aggressive at all, even when there were opportunities. I mean, I think they had some fourth and short opportunities on the plus side of the field, and he's just said, eh, "We're going to punt," and you're like, "Why?" You know, especially given how successful they had been in getting uh, conversions throughout the day. So I, it was weird to me, but anyhow. I agree. In terms of your description of the Colts not uh, adjusting and and adapting to the situation, at some point, everybody's got their preferences and their scheme and the things that they do. But, you know, look, at, when things aren't working, you have to do something. You have to figure something out. The other takeaway I have is DeForest Buckner is even better than we give him credit for because he was not 100% yesterday. He really shouldn't have been out there, to be completely honest. And he was on a pitch count, and it showed. I mean, he just couldn't go. He, he played – I don't know how many snaps off the top of my head he played. I don't have it in front of me, but it was not many. And I know he was gutting it out. He didn't practice at all. Uh, I saw him dragging the electric uh, stimulation thing home with him on Friday, leaving the facility. I, I think said, I need man. one of those. I need some electric stimulation <laughs> myself. Yeah, I mean, that guy was hurting, you know. He he was probably sitting on the couch all night, you know, with that thing hooked up to him. And it's the only way he could be out there. Anyway, uh, when he's not out there and he anchors that defensive line and and they just really were disappointing without him, uh, I would say Dio Odengbo, that's the best performance I've ever seen from him. The problem is that he didn't have enough help. And there weren't, another, there weren't enough guys uh, given a uh, similar effort so, you know, it, it was disappointing. It was definitely disappointing. And, I, I again, I go back to what I said previously. They really did uh, take advantage of some backup offensive linemen the past two games. And that is not a criticism. That's what you're supposed to do. when you. It's like in basketball, right? If you've got, you got a bad defender 
you know, backup guy defending you, and he's the weak link, and, and you're a wing player, you got to go right at him, right? And that's what they did. And they made the most of it. That's what you're supposed to do, uh, or an undersized player or something. Like, you know, that's what they did, and credit to them, but – I just it wasn't happening yesterday at all. No, it um it was a really soft defensive effort compared to what we had seen through the first three weeks of the season, and that was something we had talked about in the Colts pregame huddle: the tackles for losses, leading the league, and sacks, top five in the league. And it looked great on paper. Yeah, no question about it. And then it they got the- and I, but I did. I mean, listen again. I'm not saying I, this is not a. T- I told you so, sure. but but I but I think we all knew. All right. Eh. Let's see how this goes, right? Talk to me in a few weeks, and we'll see. Like they may, they may figure it out again against Tennessee. I don't know, but but they, you know, they they have. There were some questions even coming off of those games. I thought the defense, I thought the defense would would have performed better though. I'm I was surprised at how poor that performance was yesterday. I was um, critical of Kylan Granson and in what looked like to me to be a drop there in that final drive of regulation. Some have mentioned maybe that Lake got his hand in there. And again, Fox didn't go back to um, to any replay whatsoever for us to see it. But I watched it time and time again once I got home, and it still looked like that that went through the hands and into the stomach. Was that just a, a, a lucky, very close play by Lake of the Rams defensively, or was that a drop by Granson in a critical moment? You know, I don't know either. I, I, I'm actually looking for it. I'm trying to pull up the film as we're talking here. But I'd have to look a little closer at it. So I don't want to to judge without taking a close look. But, you know, I, I would say this. I I do think Granson, and that's one of the things that I've kind of been larry about with him the last couple of years. I just, I just didn't think his hands were consistent enough. Now, that has not been the case this year. I thought that he had been – He's been pretty much on it this year, and, and I like what I've seen from him. Uh, but but I don't know. I, I'd have to – in fact, eh, it's not coming up. But I, I'll try to take a look at that here and uh, and maybe post that video. Yeah, I want to I, try I, to be I, fair, but it, I, I watched yeah, it, yeah, and, no, and from, what I, from what I saw – because because people were asking about the play calling in that that final mm-hmm. regulation series, the three and out, and it was too much passing. And I said, well, if, if I had a problem with it, it was a lack of of rolling Richardson out and had a, having him stand in the pocket. But I thought that was one of the best throws I have seen from him, and it looked to me like it went through the hands, into the stomach, and then onto the turf. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually looking at it now, and it's so from the end zone view. Okay. It, by the way, fantastic throw from the end zone view. I would say, you know, th- that that he at least gets his hand in there a little bit. But here's the thing: tough catches are they're tough for a reason. <laughs> okay, and you know, we've seen Michael Pittman, for example, you know, make the, those kinds of tough catches even when you know someone else has their hand on the ball or something. I, I don't know. Look. They are – you're expected to make tough catches in those tough situations. Well, let me rephrase that. It takes tough catches, you know, to convert in those situations. It just does. You know, they're not going to make it easy on you. Well, that's all. a first down. That, that's a first down, and that, that maybe gets yeah. Matt Gay in position with a minute 19 remaining to kick yep. the game winner. I mean, he doesn't need much, right? We know that. So, talking about Matt Gay. So, it, it's unfortunate. It, it's It's tough to tell, but – I, I think if if the the funny thing about it is if the corner 
gets his hand in there, the safety, I think it, it really is just luck because he, <laughs> he doesn't get his head around, that's for sure. He just kind of sticks his hand out. And maybe he's looking at his eyes. He could be looking at Granson's eyes. I'm looking at the film here. It's just really It just didn't look like it. I mean, I, I know that it, it's hard to tell anything, much less a, a directional change of any sort, but it didn't look like that. It didn't look like other than him standing there that it affected it to me. So yeah, I mean, he definitely got a hand out there, but as to whether as to whether his hand made contact with the ball, that I can't say. Yeah. It does look like 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 uh, Granson did have an opportunity at least. Well, I wanted to be fair about it too, yeah. and not climb on him too much. I just thought that you know, from the looks of it, at least from what I, I saw over and over again in replay, it, that's the way that it looked to me, and that was a, a pretty substantial moment in that game. Uh, it was, and 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 look, the, what we can say for sure though is that it's a fantastic throw. Yeah, and I, I know it, people from afar might look at the box score. You know, those who who judge football in that manner, you look at the box score and you think, eh, that's just an okay day for Anthony Richardson. And look, there were some missed opportunities for him, granted, and and there will be. He's a rookie. However, this was I thought the defining performance he has had so far, even though. What he did in that first half in Houston was phenomenal, and he had some moments early in, in week one. This was his defining performance. I think this was his coming out party. And I know, again, the box score doesn't tell you that, but there are five or six throws in this game that are absolutely positively elite, like top five quarterback throws. I, I, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm too close to this. I don't know. Well, one but was incomplete. One was a rope where Josh Downs went the wrong direction. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. There's one over the middle where where it looks like Josh Downs went to the middle, and the throw was a little bit further toward the numbers, but it yeah. was a rope. But the the other completion to Downs is actually kind yeah. of a, a sneaky great throw too. The the rope that goes a 30 yard gain uh, down the seam, the timing, the accuracy, the perfect arc. I thought that the the play to to Mo Ali Cox and the touchdown. Look, I mean, <laughs> look, he is. He being Richardson, he's rolling to his right. He's he's off one leg. He's off the, on the wrong leg, by the way. I think his left leg, if I'm not mistaken. And he throws that thing with without his feet up under him, and it's insanely accurate. Okay, insanely accurate. I thought the the play on the two pointer where he gets the ball to to uh, Moss, Zach Moss, uh, where he is eluding Aaron Donald, has him in his grasp, and he gets out of it. He does a pirouette. He ducks to his left, and just as he's about to get decked, he just flicks the ball to Moss. I mean, that. Where does one learn to do that? You don't. That, that, that God just gave him something that that the rest of us don't have. And I'm, I'm just telling you, this was an absolute showcase. That second half was a was an Anthony Richardson showcase. And and in that showcase, you got to take the good with the bad. There were there was some bad. No one has talked about this much, but it's it's a fact. The play to Michael Pittman that has been much debated, where he gets his face mask pulled, it appears. Uh, that's a touchdown. He has Richardson has to throw that ball a couple seconds earlier, and Michael Pittman walks into the end zone. He is wide the hell open. He just he was late. He's indecisive, and he he missed it. He was late. Now they still should have got the call. It was, still was a, a great pass in the end, but he made a an easy play into a tough play by not pulling the trigger. So that's a, that's a missed opportunity. I'm not killing him. These are just 
things you got to live with. You know, he's 21 years old. Um, he's he's basically a football infant. But the point is, some of those plays he made, and and under the circumstances, this is one of the things that that people at Colts headquarters told me today. It's not just that he made those plays, but he did it down 23 points when. I mean, he's got all the pressure in the world. He didn't get any help from his defense, and he's down 23 points, and he says, I got it. And he did. I mean, just masterful, I thought. Hey, Stephen, I want to go really quick before I, I cut you loose here. Jonathan Taylor coming yeah. back on Wednesday off of PUP, back to practice. Uh, Shane Steichen did not rule him out for Sunday. The dude hadn't practiced since my, my birthday back in December of, uh, you know, getting closer and closer to a year ago here. I, I always thought the timetable was going to be in a couple of more weeks. I mean, might this be expedited more so than what maybe we had thought prior to? I mean, I think he's leaving the door open. I'd be surprised if he plays this week, but I mean, I can't rule it out. Shane Steichen's not ruling it out, so so I certainly won't. Um, but generally, yeah, do you see a guy? Do, do you see players, you know, sort of just roll out of bed and and play the first week back in practice? Mm, tough to do, but but I, it was pointed out to me that you have seen this in holdout situations, and you know maybe this was a holdout, maybe it wasn't. But the point is. <laughs> You've seen this in holdout situations. I think it was uh, which Bosa just got paid. Uh, Nick. Uh, Nick was not practicing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was not hurt, certainly. And he got the contract extension, and I believe he played that same week. Uh, Chris Jones, I think, was holding out and got his, you know, that came to an agreement and, and played the next week. So it does happen in those situations. In, in this particular situation, I think it it really boils down to what has Jonathan Taylor been doing and how active has he been uh, and and were there any limitations on him from that ankle. So that's the part I I don't have clarity on, but everybody now has said that he looks phenomenal in his workouts. Uh, I heard that from their running backs coach, uh, DeAndre Smith, last week, and then today Shane Steichen echoed that, said he looks absolutely great, and it's – it's kind of the most excited I've seen Steichen in a while, to be frank with you. I mean, he, he was really legitimately excited to talk about Jonathan Taylor getting back out there and, and what he could be. So we'll see. I've said this. I hope it justifies all this yip-yapping I've done about how necessary he is for this team. You know what I mean? I think, it, yeah, listen, you can watch yesterday's game and and basically have the same takeaway. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they were dying for some big plays at times yesterday, you know, and, and this is something I said earlier today to someone. There were times there where, you know, they get in these long down and distance sometimes, particularly on third down, you know, well, imagine if Jonathan Taylor pops an eight yard run on first down. Well, talk about that being a game changer, you know? So I, I think if you look at there, I believe the, uh, game tying drive maybe or maybe it's the one before but anyhow that drive really got started with Zach Moss ripping off a couple of runs I mean that's that's the game changer for the quarterback it, it lets him take a breath and, and take his foot off the gas a little bit so that when he does have to step in there and make a big throw you know he's he's had a little bit of a break I mean that's that's a real thing you know Anthony Richardson having to carry the load and scramble and run and do all that I mean it, it takes a toll over four quarters yeah, I think so is my conversation regarding Jonathan Taylor. So I'm hoping it's accurate and he plays well and plays hard and fast and we, we see what we expected to see out of him. He returns to practice coming up on uh, Wednesday. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, covers the Colts via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure, man. Go grab some rest.
All right, man. You got it. Thanks. Stephen Holder. Quick break. We'll come back. Final 30 of the show. Maybe some bullseye passes to give away to. And uh, Colts Roundtable Live coming up at the top of the hour. 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. Lively. He does. And a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. In the backfield, the Colts have two tight ends plus a running back. The tight ends flank Richardson. Now they motion the tight ends to the right and left. Sermon in motion to the right side. Shotgun snap. Richardson looking to get in on a draw, and he does! Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A rushing touchdown for Anthony Richardson, and it's 23-14. to So Matt Taylor right there on the call. Colts Roundtable Live with Matt, Joe Wrights, and Rick Venturi is coming up here at the top of the hour. Anthony Richardson was very good late in that game. There's no doubt about that. Colts lose. 29-23, your final yesterday. 2-2 two and two on the season, like everybody else in the AFC South. And they get the Titans coming up here at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Now, I did want to remind you of this, of course. The postseason of Major League Baseball starts with wild card rounds beginning tomorrow. Texas, Tampa Bay, first out of the gate in the AL. That's a 3 o'clock start for their game one. These are best of three series. Blue Jays and Twins, also on the AL, get together at 4.30 tomorrow. So we're going to have a couple of live action baseball games happening postseason-wise while we're on Arizona and Milwaukee in L Wild Card tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Miami and Philadelphia at 8 o'clock coming up tomorrow night. And uh, the uh, postseason officially wild card-wise underway in Major League Baseball coming up tomorrow. We haven't talked much about it because, I mean, honestly, what are you going to say? Walt Bell was cut loose yesterday as offensive coordinator of the Indiana Hoosiers after a complete embarrassment on the road at Maryland. I mean, embarrassing. Pacers, media day earlier today. Buddy Heald was there. He is cool with coming off the bench from what he says. I believe, I don't know when, I think we're going to have 33 on here at some point. 33, get back on the show, we'll talk about it, very excited. And, you know, they're talking about what we talk about right here. I mean, nobody's talking about it, and I know that everybody mentioned, well, we're still building for the future. These dudes want to win and win right now. And with what I said earlier, it is okay to understand the situation but you still have to come on here if you're me, if you're anybody else that calls in, and you got to tell it like it was and what we saw yesterday, which was an incredibly winnable game that they did not. And, you know, if the Pacers have some malfunctions too this year, I picked them to win 45, 10 more than a year ago and 35, 20 more than two years ago. But even if you're in a rebuild, earlier stages, middling stages, late, I mean, you're going to be held to standards, not just, uh, you know what, they're rebuilding, so everything's okay. They showed a lot of fight late, and that's great. Eh, they lost whatever. Nah, you look back on it and you go, that was a winnable game. You would love to have seen them win that. They haven't won now in seven tries at Lucas Oil Stadium. 
It is okay during a rebuild or a reboot if you win games. You don't always have to be a stinking loser. And believe me, these players and these organizations feel the same way. So you don't have to make excuses for them. You don't have to cry for them. You don't have to say, oh, big bad radio host is coming across, coming across too gruff, too outspoken. You're just trying to stir it up and be negative. Uh-uh. There is nothing I would rather do to be positive. I want so badly for Jonathan Taylor to return. I, I hope that he is ready Sunday. I can't imagine it. I hope he's ready to win, whatever. I just want to see him come back, and I want to see him justify why I have been talking about him for the better part of two months and his level of importance. I want him to justify that. He wants to justify that. And you make your offense and your team better. I'm going to justify that. You know, all this whining and crying I've done about, oh, it's so detrimental. Well, I want to see that justified. Really, so do you. You guys haven't seen a win inside Lucas Oil Stadium in a long time. I'd completely forgotten the six losses consecutively until Gorman brought that up yesterday. I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's been a while. And it continues to be a while. Yeah, you kind of look back on it and you think, wow, what could have been? Can you imagine? Can you imagine they end up winning that game yesterday? You're locked into three and one. You are ahead of the AFC South going into that Tennessee matchup at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. I'm not suggesting it's not going to be a nice environment anyway, but does, that upgrades the whole situation a little bit right there too. So I asked Stephen Holder about the Granson play. And he just sent me this. I'll retweet this because I wanted to make sure that I am fair. I I was critical of him in what looked to be yesterday. And I, I saw it at the game and then saw it again when I got home and I rolled it back and forth. And it looks it looks like a drop and Fox never went back to it. Steven shows me an end zone look. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it, it kind of looks like the late got his arm in there accidentally. His head wasn't turned around and it glanced off of his arm. I can't tell. See, that that's a look where it looks like that Lake's arm made a play. And then when you get the other look from the sideline, it looks like that it went through the hands and then hit Granson in the stomach. The ball still went through his hands and hit him in the stomach. I mean, it was not deflected to the turf directly. So, anyway, I'm going to retweet this right here. It says, hey, JMV, this is the play you asked me about. I actually think this might be a good defensive play and not a drop the longer I look at it. I'm going to put that out there and see what everybody else thinks about that. Just for the heck of it. Because I, I do want to make sure that we get that accurate. You know, the one thing that stood out to me yesterday with the defensive effort being absolutely awful, you know, the defensive coaching was absolutely awful. The effort was absolutely awful, you know, given the circumstances. But the one thing that did materialize is that this the Colts offense, the later the game got, the better that it got. 
and the usage of the tight ends finally became a factor. I'll give you a great example. I loved I loved the Drew Ogletree drive. Loved it. And then obviously Mo Cox making a play as well. Not as disappointed in the office. Now, really, both sides of the football, the first half was an incredible disappointment. And it makes you wonder why in the world you come out so flat. Okay, you make the argument, Anthony Richardson's just getting back, miss whatever. But both sides of the football, just incredibly soft-looking, especially defensively. They were soft-looking basically the entirety of the game. And it didn't call for it. I mean, we talk about Matthew Stafford gutting it out, but defensively, you weren't stopping anybody down the field anyway, so why not put the most pressure on a quarterback that clearly could not move? They just couldn't do it. That's disappointing. That's disappointing. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. While I'm at it right here, I want to give away another pair of bullseye passes. 239-1070, Sunday, 10 a.m., doors open, all you can eat, all you can drink. Uh, really good time. I know a lot of people went yesterday and had a great time. Uh, Bullseye Event Center, before the Tennessee game, doors open at 10 a.m. coming up on Sunday, number 9 at 239-1070. And uh, you can get free passes to go in there coming up on Sunday. Tomorrow's show, Greg Rakestraw's tomorrow. Who else is tomorrow? Am I forgetting somebody here? Uh, we've got Brad Spielberger and we've got Bob Kravitz. Spielberger and Kravitz tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know about Miles. I know Miles maybe later on this week. Now you watch what happens here. So Derek Schultz is in for me on Wednesday. I actually had a mishap with a pretzel rod and a tooth. I had a toothache the entire weekend. <laughs> the entire weekend. I was drugged up like crap. I was drugged up to do the JMV takeover. I was drugged up yesterday to do the Colts pregame huddle. Um, so I've got to get something fixed with the super dentist. Brad Salmon's coming up on Wednesday. Derek Schultz is going to be in for me. So and I originally, uh, Ian Eagle was coming on of CBS. And I know Miles, I think, may be on later on this week. Miles Turner of the Pacers. So we'll see what happens. I think Drew Ogletree at some point is going to come on as well. Maybe that's going to be after a winning effort. But whatever the case, we got a busy week. I just wanted to make note that Derek Schultz is going to be in here on Wednesday while um, I go to uh, the super dentist and he fixes my tooth. Right? My tooth. (laughs) The pretzel rod. Thanks a lot, pretzel rod. But, man, that thing hurt all stinking weekend. All weekend. And uh, shout out to the super dentist who is going to uh, rectify that coming up on uh, Wednesday. And thanks to Derek as well for coming in and letting me get that done. Really, it's the only time during the week I can get away and do it on Wednesday. And Derek Schultz will be in here for me. Thank you, Derek. And thank you, Todd, for getting that uh, getting that together. Coach Roundtable Live coming up at the top of the hour. We'll close out with you and uh, some remaining thoughts on what was a very interesting sports weekend, to say the least, and what came away from Shane Steichen's meeting with the media regarding Jonathan Taylor, Quiddy Pay, Dallas Flowers, Jelani Woods, and more to close out the show next. The Ride with JMV. Dude, most oh, metal ever! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
Here we go. Two-point conversion at the two-yard line. Richardson out of the gun. In motion again is Pittman left. Shotgun snap. Richardson. Angling right. Throws to a wide open. Michael Pittman. And the two-point conversion is good. We are tied. We are tied. The game is knotted up at 23 with under two minutes to go. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts of the call. Matt, Rick Venturi, Joe Wright, Colts Roundtable Live. Uh, that's coming up here at 6 o'clock, so be ready for that. Colts get Tennessee coming up on Sunday, and we've got you covered all week long. In fact, Thursday, got to make sure I have this right. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul, Tequila Shots. Man, there were some wacky selections over the weekend, too. We'll do that from the Slippery Noodle coming up on Thursday. So I'll see you downtown at the Slippery Noodle, and we will have uh, many, and I'm saying many, Titans Colts tickets to give away. Only got one show between you know, that and obviously the game itself. So I'll have Titans Colts tickets coming up on Friday at Sam Silver Circle near Fountain Square on a Bud Light Blue Friday coming up on Friday. I'm telling you, many, and uh, Sam's is a great place over there too. Sam Silver Circle on a Bud Light Blue Friday coming up on Friday. Hopefully, I see a lot of you out there as well. Uh, it's from Chris Jamvi. I think the offense got better because they're starting passing downfield. They had Richardson trying for singles and nothing else in the first half. If you're not going to attempt to use his strengths, then you're wasting his talent. Yeah, it was uh, the play calling and just everything was lackluster, really. Both sides of the football in the first half. It's just the off uh, check that the defense really didn't get much better at all. Hey, JMV, that play you're talking about with Granson would not have been a first down. It had been pretty close to a first down, it would have. I mean, you got to keep in mind it was third and 10. I mean, it was that three and out where they had the ball for 34 seconds. So, yeah. Yeah, it could have been a big deal. Would have been, Actually, it could have been. It would have been a big deal. Yeah, make no mistake out of that. Uh, JMV, until the boneheaded defensive penalty, the defense looked good on that first drive. Yeah. Uh, EJ Speed, as much as I've talked about him this year, that uh, was <laughs> ridiculous yesterday. That certainly kick-started things in a really bad direction for the entirety of the first half. All right, in case you missed it today, Jonathan Taylor back on Wednesday. Can't wait for that. Back on Wednesday at Colts practice, Quiddy Pay, concussion protocol, Dallas Flowers done for the season with an Achilles injury. And Jelani Woods remains on IR. That's how you start your week. James, great job out of you, too. If you missed any of the conversation, Stephen Holder, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Inside the Lounge, brought to you by Wynn Schuler's Spreadable. Jesus, Wynn Schuler's official sponsor of this show and the Lounge via YouTube Live, where you guys were outstanding today as well. Thank you very much. Colts Roundtable coming up next. Don't miss a minute. Back with you tomorrow at 3. Have a great night.